Okay, good morning, everybody. Uh, well, this is great. It's great. Um, I've been asked this morning to speak about a topic that's obviously I, I, I try to live out, and it's, it's simply passion. Um, but th- this passion we're talking about is passion for Jesus. Um, so what I'd like to do is I'd like to start just by opening in prayer, if I could. I, I'm just overwhelmed at the number of people that they, they, they saw my name on this sheet, and I, I got a million people running up to me telling me they're going to pray for me this morning. Um, we can pray for my wife because usually it's what comes out of my mouth. It usually affects her and not me so much. So let's open in prayer if we could. Heavenly Father, Lord, I'm just thankful for this opportunity to dig into your word. Lord, I just, I'm just thankful for the people here. I'm thankful for the church. I'm just thankful for what we stand on here, Lord. And I just ask that what I would say this morning would honor and glorify you. In your precious name, amen. Okay, I've got 15 minutes. And I can't tell who's longer in the tooth, Joe Dukes or myself. So I'm going to try, you know, to hold to that. Don't be afraid to wave or yell if for some reason you think I'm going over. It's just not real good. I'm, you know, I have a good self-esteem. It's my privilege this morning um, to just speak this morning about passionately pursuing Jesus Christ. Uh, The major goal this morning is probably for me to avoid the rabbit trails that I typically go down or some of the bird walks that that accompany a lot of my conversations. So if you've been involved with me, I get a little bit long-winded because I I go down a different path. So I'm going to try and stick to the point here. Uh, Tim Nichols gave me a book several years ago, Visioneering. Fantastic book in leadership. Um, Andy Stanley was the author. He stated in that book that God is always at work behind the scenes. Our needs, wants dreams are small pieces of his puzzle. In life, we often become so consumed with ourselves and the world around us that we fail to reflect on the immense job that Jesus Christ has set out to do on the sacrifice of the cross. So this morning, is um, what I wanted to do was speak to passion, and I couldn't speak to that unless I started with this church and started with the people in this church. Uh, this is the only church I know, okay? I was rough around the edges when I came in, and I'm still rough around the edges, but people have walked beside me, and, and I'm thankful for that. Um, they have affected my life dramatically, and um, as I move forward, I know that I can draw from the strength of the people that have come before me here at Mount Calvary. There's another person this morning <clears throat> that has also impacted me. Um, so I want to I kind of blend some things together, the scripture, this special person, and then also your impact here in the church to try to speak to this. Uh, as you turn, why don't you turn to your Bibles in Philippians three? Let's let's start with that. As you're turning there, I want to just speak to a good personal friend of mine, um, and and I'll use this example throughout this um, uh, short time we have together. But her name is Shelly White. Okay, I'm going to tell you about Shelly a little bit. Um, we're going to get a chance to see more about her. I got a little video clip later that he get a chance to get to know her more personally. Shelly in 2001 uh, was a young, vibrant, dynamic teacher. She was a third grade teacher. Most of you don't know, I'm a principal. I've worked in education for 23 years, so I've been exposed to a lot of wonderful people. And Shelly's, you know, she's, she's, she's top notch. There's no question about it. But in 2001, she was injured in what was called a powered parachute accident. Okay? And during that injury, she had a uh, C5 spinal cord injury, which paralyzed her essentially from the chest down. You know, so then in the span of, you know, a couple of moments, um, this 27-year-old third-grade teacher had a life change. So over the course of the next 85 days, 
she was in the hospital, and now her life was permanently moved to a power wheelchair. So to say the least, she has many challenges. Um, Shelly is dependent on caregivers, um, basically, you know, around the clock to help her to help her move around in the house, get things done there, but also to get to work, to maintain the lifestyle that she wants to have. She's a non-driver, and I'd say generally speaking, she's got, uh, you know, many medical conditions that you and I just simply don't appreciate. You know, I would say her medical conditions would probably shut down the cupcakes of the world like myself, because I, I, I wouldn't have the tolerance to handle some of the pain that she probably goes through. Um, but this lady's not only tough, but her disposition is amazing. Uh, in 23 years, I don't think I've ever seen a teacher that possesses what she has. Um, and quite frankly, it's been contagious for me personally. Um, she's one of the many people, in addition to people within this church, that have motivated, have motivated me to consider my immediate future with Jesus. Okay, you know, I think we all have these different moments where we're personally walking through the scripture and growing with the Lord, but then you run into people that just take you to that next level. As we consider scripture for today, please allow me to to reference Shelley a little bit. My hopes that you'll be blessed in some way by God's word and Shelley's story. Okay, so let's let's dig in here a little bit to Philippians. Okay, Philippians 1 says, and I'm reading from uh, the New Living Translation. Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it so we can safeguard your faith. What Paul's telling us here is simply, uh, this is and always should be our focus for our faith. We need to be introspective about our communion with God. You know, are, are, we, are we in that place where we are in sadness and depression, you know, or are we in that place where we have this cheerful countenance? Um, do people, when I walk around, do, these, do they see the joy in my life of that closeness with Christ? And I think in this verse, you know, we're being told right here that the passion in your life needs to be visible. It should also be contagious it should be infectious. Our attitudes should define our actions so that people on a Sunday, people on a Monday or Tuesday, they're going to know that we have a vibrant personality and there's something that's different. If we don't have that, you know, I think for myself at least, I need to step away. I need to get right with the Lord. I need to spend more time with the Lord because that needs to be an outpouring of our personal relationship. And I think that's what Paul is, is saying here. Not only do we have to rejoice, but he is telling the church members there that they need to safeguard their faith. Okay, so, you know, you are susceptible to that influence. So let me crosswalk this just a little bit to my friend Shelly again. Every morning I come to work, okay, like everybody else, you know, the wintertime's always difficult. You know, we're, we're driving. I don't like the cold weather anymore. Um, I don't like to get out of the car when it's raining or snowy. Um, you know, the middle of the year is kind of the doldrum of the year. You know, you're ready for that summer to come. Um, that's when, for some reason, God had me pull up in the parking space right next to Shelly every morning. Okay? Now, Shelly, of course, had a personal assistant in her van that was helping her get out of the van. Um, and I would walk alongside her going into work every day. And immediately, I was humbled. You know, um, while I'm complaining at times... 
you know, she, she doesn't look back. Her face is just like, it, it, you know, she just has this big smile when she's coming in the door. And her thing this last year has been she's trying to get a uh, service dog in our school, and I just I won't allow it. And her and I have been arguing every morning about that probably for six months. But that's been our, our conversation, um, you know, for the last couple of, couple of months here. But, but I think what we have to understand that, you know, when I look at Shelly, you know, she told me about her personal story. And part of her personal story was, was simply that she had a physical challenge of being in the hospital for 85 days. But even more so, she had an emotional challenge. But the minute she got through that emotional challenge, she never looked back. You know, so I thought the song was appropriate this morning that, you know, with her disability, just like our relationship with Christ, once you have accepted Christ as your Savior, there is no reason to look back and to focus on things that will take you away from the glory of, of, of Jesus. And I think that's what I'm motivated by with Shelley. Now, you know, I've always been intrigued by the verse in James that tells us to not only expect trials, but take great joy in them. I mean, that, that to me is like, you know, it always hits me when I hear that verse. But it's so true. You know, are we rejoicing in whatever the Lord puts in front of us? And is our countenance reflecting that joy on a regular basis? So what I want to do is, you know, it wouldn't be right if I got up here without putting a video up uh, of something that also is near and dear to my heart. So we got a little bit of a one-minute clip here. Hopefully that it's going to work this morning with Glenn. Five minutes. I'm Gary. You're Julius. Let's get some particulars and just get this over with, all right? Particulars? Yeah. No matter what I tell you, you ain't going to never know nothing about hey, me. Hey, listen. I ain't running any more of these three days, okay? Well, what I got to say, you really don't want to hear, because honesty ain't too high upon your people priority list, right? Honesty? You want honesty? All right, honestly, I think you're nothing. Nothing but a pure waste of God-given talent. You don't listen to nobody, man. Not even Doc or Boone. Ship and push on the line every time, man. You blow right past them. Push them, pull them, do something. You can't run over everybody in this league. And every time you do, you leave one of your teammates hanging out to dry. Me in particular. Why should I give a hoot about you? Huh? Or anybody else out there? You want to talk about a waste? You the captain, right? Right. Captain's supposed to be the leader, right? Right. You got a job? I have a you job. You been doing your job? I've been doing my job. Then why don't you tell your white buddies to block for Rev better? Because they have not blocked for him. Work a plug nickel, and you know it. Nobody plays. Yourself included. I'm supposed to wear myself out for the team? What team? No. No, what I'm going to do is I'm going to look out for myself and I'm going to get mine. See, man, that's the worst attitude I ever heard. Attitude reflect leadership, Captain. Attitude reflects leadership, Captain. Okay, so, you know, it gives me the chills to just see that, obviously, because I get excited about football in general, okay? But, but honestly, isn't that so true? You know, the world's attitude is reflected by their leaders. As Christians, we can take a leadership role, and our attitudes can affect others. But did you see that moment, you know, in this movie, it's, it, you know, it, it, there's kind of a, there's a race division, and then they come together. Very inspiring movie, okay? But they took a long while to, to get through that, but when they did, some powerful things happened. And I think that's so true 
as to what can happen in the church. So my first point that I want you to consider is simply, how is your attitude personally? Not how's the church, you know, not, not, not how are the leaders, how is your attitude as a leader, as a Christian and a believer, how is your attitude? The second point I want to get to has to do, uh, we're going to go, go to Philippians 3.7. So let's just move down just a little bit. I'm going to read through that verse. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become with him. Now, in this passage here, Paul, through his conversation, he realized that once things were valuable, he realized in his life he had value to some things. Okay? Then upon his conversion, he realized what the real value was. And here I believe he's reflecting, um, reflecting with people that we have to understand okay, that the things that you know, he might count it as garbage is slowing us down from ministering for Jesus. So let me do a crosswalk again. Okay, not a bird walk, but a crosswalk. I'm going to crosswalk to, to Shelly White. Okay, 2001, Shelly has her accident. Um, you know, she makes it through the physical challenges. And I'm going to tell you, she made it through the emotional challenges. I, you know, I, I have no idea because not once have I ever heard her complain. And on another note, as a boss, you know, my 70 employees, she's got some of the best attendance I have on the job. So this is a person that comes to work every day. You know, so when I hear someone else say, I just can't make it to work, and they're, they're not so good at getting there all the time, you know, I'm going to send them to Shelly's office because she gets there, and she's with those kids. So with Shelly's situation, after she got through all this, okay, she's got a whole new lifestyle. You know what she did at that point? Very simple. She completed her Ph.D., okay? I was actually told that she, she had some um, injuries that kept her out of work, some sores, and she had to lie on her side, and her aide had to, her personal aide had to hold her book up as she read for her Ph.D. Anybody taken any advanced degrees? Can you imagine writing your Ph.D. on, the side, you know, on your side in bed? That's what she did. She's been an amazing special ed teacher. She has written four books, Okay, she's written and published four books. Go online and check out The Worry Jar. That's an awesome story. If I, had, you know, if I could just take Joe off the list here and keep talking, I could tell you about, about her books here. I hear you. Okay. And, and the last thing is, she even told me this, she went scuba diving. Okay. So think about what's happened in this life after her accident. Okay. Nothing has held her back. She has had the proper attitude. Okay, but also at this point, I think she realizes what truly is important, what is valuable. If you would watch her minister, she has a, a, a classroom of kids with autism and learning disabilities. These kids, I'm telling you right now, I mean, I, I put one kid in her class this year, was a challenge for me, nightmare, all kinds of problems. They go to her, her room for the rest of the year, I didn't hear from them the rest of the year. And the parents raving about how great she is. And she just takes it with a grain of salt. She motivates these kids, okay? 
she's getting the right stuff done. She's moving ahead full steam and accomplishing things for the greater good. So my last point is simply that we need to press towards that goal in our lives or our church, okay, or our nation that God has for us. So let's look at verse 13 to 16. Verse 13 says, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past. Let me read that again. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on and reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree at some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. But we must hold on to the progress we've already made. So here's what I'm humbled by. I'm humbled by this church. You know, I don't know the exact years. 75 plus years in ministry. The school, 40 plus years in service. Okay? We have a, a, an unbelievable foundation here at Mount Calvary Church. But, but it's not done. You know, I think that's the big part that we have to recognize. When you look at the past, the past is important, and you have to respect that, but you have to move forward to the future and press on. And I think at this point forward, what we need to do is embody this as a congregation. So, you know, in my notes here as I looked at this passage that I wanted to speak to, a couple of things that I highlighted. We need to forget the past. Look forward to the future. If we do disagree as a congregation or believers, I believe in, in, I believe in the saints. I believe that if, if you have issues internally, if I have issues, I, I go to my God. Go to your Heavenly Father, okay, process through that, and take time. And then if that doesn't work, you know, sit and, and go through that process with that individual or people that you might struggle with. But I really think, I trust in the people here whether leaders, not leaders, congregation members. This is a solid Bible-believing church with, great, with very good people, you know, and, and I'm dependent on that. Um, so my final, pat, my, my final message, if you will, or, or piece to this is simply be disciplined moving forward in your own life. Shelly White's a good example, okay? She doesn't have the time or the opportunity to, to uh, deviate from what she needs to do. She needs to keep a laser focus we don't have the time. I don't think we realize how big God's plan is for us. It's embarrassing that we waste his time because he's got great things for us. So we need to press forward and we need to do it in a manner that's efficient. So in a moment here, what I'm going to finish up with, before I finish, I, I wanted to show you this video of uh, Dr. White. Okay, This will give you a good, a good idea of her story um, and, and then I'll close. Fourth grade teacher Dr. White has been using a creative technique to get many students to stop worrying about things they cannot control. For many years, she has been using a worry jar in her classroom as an outlet for students' anxieties. The idea came to her years ago when her former student, Aaron Perez, was having a hard time concentrating in class due to his nervousness. He worried about every single thing. So one day I just came up with this ice cream container. I said, write down your worries and stick them in the jar and then you won't have to worry about it anymore. 
Aaron used the worry jar faithfully as a fourth grader, and it helped him determine what was worth worrying about. Things outside of my control, such as the bus arriving late to get to school, not underneath my control. Hmm. Things about yeah. studying for the spelling test or whatever test or quiz or pop quiz that we were going to have the next day, my responsibility. Dr. White didn't know at the time that years later she would need a worry jar of her own. When I had my accident, I was in a powered parachute. So we were taken off on the runway. A wind kind of like blew the parachute and I hit my head and, and that broke one of the bones in my neck. The bone hit her spinal cord, which paralyzed her from the chest area down. Dr. White struggles to move her fingers and will spend the rest of her life in a wheelchair. Aaron heard about Dr. White's accident on the way to church. My mom would say, unfortunately, she's had a bad accident and she's in the hospital. I know I must have been like, well, how bad is she? Uh, can we go see her? She said, she's in critical condition. Aaron could not visit but he knew just what to send his former teacher. I was in the hospital, and one day I got this present, and it was a jar, and inside the jar there was a letter to me, and it said, this is a worry jar for you. And he said, now it's your turn to put your worries in the jar. It was just so neat to see a student take it for what it did to him and to return it and give it back to me. So that's what the whole story's about. One of the biggest moments that I think a teacher has is when they see that what they've inspired their student to do comes back and reaches them and reaches everyone beyond them. However, her disability did not hold her back. She not only continued teaching, but she earned her doctorate degree and wrote three children's books to help her students understand what happened to her. You know, a disability doesn't have to stop you. So I could still go on and do those things and people could look up to somebody like that and say, I could do that too. So hopefully if I can inspire somebody else to, you know, not limit yourself just because you're not able to reach for something, there's always a way you can, you know, turn something around and do it. So what I want to close with is simply this. You know, we, I've tried to take, you know, some secular ideas and crosswalk them with some biblical concepts here just to, to make a couple of points. Um, but I believe our walk with Jesus has to begin and be sustained personally be before we can experience him collectively, right? I, I, I don't think that, that our church is going to progress until we as individuals have developed. Um, you know, my final truth is, is basically of Jesus and, and heaven and hell. You know, Revelations 21.4 says, God himself will wipe every tear from the eyes. There will be no more death, sorrow, crying, or pain. All these things are gone forever. Now, that's one description of what heaven may be like in Revelations. Later in the same chapter in Revelations, it also makes another key statement in verse 21.8, and it speaks of the alternative for the unbelievers. Their fate is like a fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is their second death and the other outcome of life, and, and that is called hell. The chapter ends with a statement that informs us that only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life will be allowed to enter. That Lamb is Jesus Christ. So for me, again, when you talk about passion, that's where the rubber meets the road. You know, you're going to come across great people in your life, 
and you have to expose them to the gospel if they haven't heard. You know, my, that free gift of salvation is what restores my faith. So like the psalmist in Psalm 51, 12 says, restore to me the joy of salvation and uphold that willing spirit. That's my prayer for this congregation. We need to be restored to that point of our salvation. We are just on fire. And for those of you who, who may not have been exposed to the gospel or, or may not have Jesus as your personal savior, check it out, okay? Because there's an attorney waiting for you that I believe is, is going to, you know, beyond all, it's going to be beyond our, our, our wildest dreams. Um, and it's something that I believe is so important that I believe you have to speak about on a regular basis. So let me pray if I can to close here. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray for those who are sitting here this morning, Lord, and that each one of their hearts is convicted. Lord, if they've accepted your free gift of salvation, I pray for those followers of you, of Jesus Christ, to just be right with themselves, be right with you, Lord, so that they could do your work and do it in a manner that is honoring to you. For those, Lord, who don't know you as their personal Savior, I, I pray, Lord, that they would ask questions, that they would inquire this morning with, with people about what it means to be a believer, what it means to be saved. How do I get to heaven? I pray, Lord, that those questions would come out this morning. It's in your holy name that I pray. Amen. And just one more quick thing. Okay, I want to just take you a minute. I, I asked Dr. White to come in. She's in the back, so don't be afraid to chew her ear this morning. Okay, she likes, to, she likes to talk just like I do. So if you give her a chance, she just may impact your life if you give her that opportunity this morning. This morning I was asked to uh, give a brief update about what's happening with the transition team. So I'm going to ask just quickly, and I'm going to keep talking while they're coming up. I'm going to ask the transition team, maybe that's on the transition team, to make their way forward. Um, just so you can kind of be reminded of who they are. Um, just to remind you of what the point is of why we, are, we have this transition team. Uh, and this is from IPM, what they see as the, the reason why we have the transition team. It's the transition team is a collaborative coalition to guide the church through the season of pastoral transition. This team of trusted, Christ-honoring servants assist the leadership of the church towards health, greater effectiveness, and God's future uh, of the church. And so our team is a collaborative team. And what that means is that we are working under uh, the elders and they're working on behalf of the congregation. Um, and because of this teamwork approach, we're going to uh, be working to do a better job of keeping everybody posted as to what exactly we're working on. Um, and that being one of those things being today. And so IPM also states that the work of the transition team has two phases. The first phase is assessment. And in this phase, the transition team will visit the church's past and will celebrate victories and will grieve and work through failures and unresolved issues. At times, this may include repentance and forgiveness. As they do this, they will endeavor to remove barriers to future growth and blessings. And that really, what, we, what I just said is a lot of what we have tried to do at, up to this point is we've looked back and we said, okay, God, why did you bring Mount Calvary into to existence? Like, why are we here? And uh, it was pretty clear as we went back and read through, which was pretty cool to read through some of the history of our church, that God brought us into existence to proclaim the word of God 
and just to reach the community of E-Town and surrounding communities uh, with the gospel. And so we've had a chance to celebrate some of those really good things, and some of those things are like distant past. But we've also had a chance to celebrate some of the, the more recent past uh, things that God has uh, that God has done. But in that discovery phase, we also kind of discovered some things that you know may require us to reconsider some things, to improve some things, and maybe even reconciliation. Uh, depending on what it is. In the coming weeks, we intend to be pretty uh, intentional about communicating what are those things that we need to address and communicate and repent of, whatever they are, uh, as we move forward. Um, Generally speaking, we're looking at what are the church's strengths, what are our weaknesses, what are our God-given opportunities, what are any threats that may hinder us uh, from being an effective minister to, to this community. Uh, the second thing that the IPM says at the point of what the transition team is, is the second phase is directive. In this phase, the transition team will seek God's plans and future for the church. As spiritual and strategic leaders and workers, the transition team will work hard to come to an agreement about a unified future vision of the church that is God-inspired. The transition team will navigate the entire church through the spiritual strategic journey. Working together with the elders and Pastor Paul, the transition team will prepare the church for qualitative and quantitative growth and reaching the church's full kingdom potential. And before we can really be directive, as we're, we're, you know, that's the word that they use in the IPM document, we need to know who we are. And so our current job, what we've been tasked in three different teams, is to try to answer these three questions. The first one being, who are we and where are we going as a church? The second one being, who are we and where are we going as a school? And the third one being, who are we trying to reach? Who is our community and how do we most effectively reach those people? And so we've been divided up into teams And we're doing everything that we can to gather information to be able to answer those questions to be able to then uh, to be able to move forward. And so, as I previously stated, we're going to be reporting to you as a church on a more frequent basis with the goal of strengthening our communication. Um, We covered your prayers and and, uh, look forward to where God is leading us. We've had a lot of difficult but healthy conversations uh, as we've met together. And we every one of us recognize that Christ is the head of this church. That we 100% love, there's no doubt when you sit in these meetings, that we love this church. Um, And that we recognize that God is the head uh, of this church. And uh, we look forward to working with the elders and other leaders to see what God has next. And uh, I just want to thank you for your your time for listening this morning. And I think Pastor Paul is going to come up and, or sure, do you want to just do the offering moment too? You got something to say? All right, Father, we are, I pray that as we continue this process in the transition team, that you would continue to guide and direct. Even as Mike spoke this morning, we look forward. We want to strain for the prize that is ahead. We want to go forward. And, and so I'm thankful for uh, this team of people that we've had the chance to work together with. And pray that you would uh, give us the guidance and direction as we need uh, to figure out who we are and where are we going and how do we best reach our community uh, for your sake. And uh, we love you. And ask your blessing on our team as we continue to to go forward. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I could have listened to Mike uh, the rest of the morning. I don't know about you, but just hearing his heart. And when we as elders looked at someone that could share about being passionate about Jesus Christ. Thank you, BJ. Yes, I, see, I always wanted to be taller. I could never play basketball, you know, because you got to be a certain height. Um, but um, let me... Uh, See if we're on here, are we? You've had this statement, and um, you've had a chance to look over it. And so, in in a sense, this morning, I'm going to try to do a little bit 
of giving a brief overview and explanation of some of the terminology and some of the uh, words that are used in this document. Um, some of the songs we sang this morning. It's, after I was saved, blessed assurance became something that I sang a lot because I needed it. Because I didn't think God could save someone as wicked as I was. But he did. And he does. And he will. And then when we sing, Behold Our King, I'm wearing a shirt that's from the Philippines. It's not an obligatory missionary shirt. It's because it comes from people that passionately pursue Christ to the extent that some of them were martyred as they witnessed to people they sought to bring the gospel to. And when we sang those songs this morning, that's what's going through my mind and my heart. And what we can become is Mount Calvary Church. And so I want to kind of go through. Uh, this is the team that was tasked to draft the document. Uh, Pastor Jonathan Whitmer, uh, B.J. Allen, and myself. In a moment, I'm going to ask, I had asked all three, but I'm just going to have Carl come in a, in a few moments after we go th uh, through a little explanation to pray. But I wonder what you see when you see this. Anyone? What do you see? Tire. Okay. I don't know what kind of tire, but it could be about any type of tire. But let me, um, let me ask you this. How many believe it is spelled this way? This is the correct spelling. Okay. All right. How many believe this is the correct spelling? All right. Prizes for everyone. You're all correct. Because the first spelling, get my pointer right, this is how you would spell it in Britain. Our original language, if I could say that, okay? <laughs> and uh, the second spelling is how we would spell it. I text this, this to my boss the other day. I was putting air in my tires. I'll be a little bit late for the meeting. I'm putting air in my T-Y-R-E. And he says, are you in Sidon as well? Because <laughs> that's kind of where we would think as Americans, Tyre and Sidon, you know, if you're familiar with Scripture um, in that way. But we can all look at things a little bit differently, and, and it can mean the same thing. And, and that's good. So we're going to look a little bit of what this document means, some of the terms in it. But first of all, I want to focus on Something here, passionately pursuing. That's a beautiful term. I am a passionate follower of the Cleveland Indians. All right, I get an amen back there, okay? And you know what? This is the Cleveland Indians, the best team in baseball. Okay, it means absolutely nothing, I realize here in some ways. Okay. Now, when I lived in Britain, my son and I were passionate followers of Liverpool Football Club. Does anyone football? But it means absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. Because passionately pursuing is you're going after something with all that you can, all that you have. And, you know, each of us are going to do that differently. And that's good. That's good. 
passionately speaks of in a way that shows strong feelings or beliefs. And pursuing speaks of something that is a continuous action, continually doing that. But the focus here is not upon a sports team or a career or your ethnicity or anything else. It's focused on the person of Jesus Christ. That's what we're passionately pursuing Christ. That's the focus of what this is about. But I wanted to explain to you when you saw these, what do you mean? And I'm going to give some explanation. There'll be other explanations as well, other embellishments or definitions that will help you to understand what we mean by this. I want to give some basic. The first one you see there is you see a category called corporately. That's speaking of us as the body of believers here at Mount Calvary Church. And it, in essence, is an upward focus. It's not focusing on ourselves. It's not focusing on Mount Calvary Church alone, because there are many churches out there. It's focusing on the one who is the author and the finisher of our faith, Christ. And so upwardly in every area, biblical teaching, worship, service, community, and missions, we are looking corporately, upwardly, God, what do you want us to do? And then as a church, let's do that. Then you see that term personally. And this speaks of something that's inward. Inwardly and personally, I need to be in the scriptures myself. I need to be worshiping from my heart because The Bible makes it very clear that that's what God is seeking. He's seeking worshipers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. And then in um, our service and our community and our missions, it's an inward desire to become a servant of God that will flesh this out in everything that we do as an individual. And then globally, what do we mean by that? That's something that goes beyond the doors of this church beyond yourself, going beyond yourself and outward to those around you. When you're in the restaurant and that waitress comes to you, what's your interaction with them? What about the person in the, petrol, or the gas station? What's your interaction with them? What about your colleagues at work, your neighbors? Yesterday, we had the joy of Hassan our former Moroccan Muslim neighbor, coming back to visit us just for a brief time. And it was wonderful because we had a sense of community with him. We had a sense of, I'm, I wish I'd had more time to speak with him more. But we'd had many conversations in the past to be able to share the gospel with him. But that's, all, that's what this is all about. I'm going to ask Carl, Carl, if you'd come. And just pray that we as a church could corporately, personally, and globally put the mission and vision statement into practice. And then we're going to look at some scriptures before we close. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, Mount Calvary Church is your church. Um, God, the church global and universal is your church. Um, You are the head of the church. And um, God, we take great peace and comfort in that, Lord. Um, The church is not owned by any of us. It's not owned by our elders. It's not owned by our transition team or our pastors, God, but it's owned by you. 
And we praise you for that, Lord. God, we just pray for incredible wisdom for our leaders. Um, and as all of us, Lord, as a congregation, um, seek your vision and, and direction and leading from Mount Calvary Church, God, we pray that um, the vision would be yours for your church, not ours for our church. God, we just pray um, that you continue to help us um, as leaders and as, as your followers, God, to passionately pursue you. God, so often we pursue other things in lieu of pursuing you. Forgive us for that, God. Help us to um, fill our um, longings in life with you and you alone. And as a church, as we corporately um, pursue something, may that be you and nothing but you, Lord. Not programs, um, not structures, not people, but you and you alone, Lord. Help us just to seek your face and your presence. And we trust you, Lord, to continue to lead our church, your church, um, in your path. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Carl. Now, we're going to look at some scriptures, and I want to read these scriptures, and without really any comment, Ephesians chapter 4, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift, Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what, but what does it mean but that he also, he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth. He who descended is the same who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes." Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. 
They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, give, and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as, a, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear." Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And then a portion that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession. And through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved, among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death, and to the other, a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not, like so many, peddlers of God's word, but as uh, men of sincerity, as commissioned by God, in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. Then over to Philippians chapter 2. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy... Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And then over to chapter 3. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. In order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, 
because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus was speaking to a crowd, and Matthew records for us, and one of them, a lawyer, asked Jesus a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and prophets. Hebrews 10, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Philippians 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Let's take a moment to meditate on what we've heard. You have in your bulletin the model prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. What is beyond that is also what he taught his disciples very clearly that about forgiveness and forgiving. Forgiveness is very important. And we're going to read this together. And then Ray is going to close our service. Let's read this together. I'll bring it up on the screen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, 
neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Sometimes you come and you don't know what to say. Uh, I've been blessed this morning. Uh, I've been blessed to, to hear the word of God uh, uh, read, uh, to, to hear the hearts of, of the leaders in our church. And, and I pray that you come back the next several weeks as we continue to work through the, the vision statement uh, that, uh, that's been prepared. We, we, we want, as I've met with uh, leaders and individuals over the last year, what we talked about this morning is the heart of this church. We've never declared it definitively. This is what it is, but but this is the heart that that I've seen in so many. And and so I, I was one of those that went to Mike and said, "Hey, I'm going to pray." But I was more excited because I was like, Mike embodies this. This is who we are. And uh, I'm excited about what God's going to do. And so I'm going to pray uh, this morning uh, as you go. If you have kids, please give your, uh, the child, the children's workers an uh, extra hug and uh, extra thank you. Uh, there were at least several from the transition team that were not here this morning uh, that, that at five that I can remember off the top of my head. So if I forget one, I apologize. Katie Grice is in the nursery this morning. Uh, Tim and Carrie Nicholas are downstairs uh, uh, working with chil- children. And then Jonathan Whitmer and uh, Ryan Host that are in Mexico. Uh, so uh, remember to can, uh, remember them in prayer as well. Uh, let me pray. God, you are good, and you are sovereign. Lord, you are a God that is worth our praise and, and, and giving you everything and all that we are. Lord, we pray that that would be us. Uh, and Lord, I pray that you would, you would help us to search our hearts. And Lord, see if there's anything in our lives that... Uh, Lord, that needs to be made right with you. God, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. And Lord, I pray that, uh, that in this place, Lord, that if, we, uh, if, if somebody does not know you, that you would call them out. And Lord, you would draw them to you, and then they would be brave enough to find somebody after the service and ask the questions, how do I know this God? How can I be saved? How can I have this joy and this peace that comes from him alone? God, we thank you. We thank you that you are in control and you are walking and you are leading us. It's in your holy and precious name, in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray.